in October of 2007, our former governor, Tim Pawlenty, signed a new bill into law that banned smoking in indoor restaurants and bars. Usually when you used to walk into a restaurant or a bar, what's the first question you'd always get asked? Smoking or non-smoking, right? I was in seventh grade when this happened. I'm old. <laughs> I can't. But usually when you'd walk into a restaurant, you'd see partitions. You'd see like partitions over here. That was the smoking section. And then this was the family section, no smoking. And sort of what it did is it created like a haves and a have nots. Like you had people sequestered into this, over, into this area. But then after this bill was signed into law, now everybody was together. And it didn't seem like you knew who was a smoker and who wasn't anymore. And we're in this Q&A series called You Asked For It. And today we're talking about heaven and hell, and I'm going to title my message today, Smoking or Non-Smoking. And the reason I'm doing this is because there's a lot of people in our church, and there's a lot of people in churches all across America, and just like you don't know who's a smoker and who's a non-smoker anymore, there's so many views on heaven and hell, and it seems like we don't know who believes what. We're all here, but who believes what? Who believes this? Who believes that? It's all very, very confusing. In fact, Here's what Pew Research Center sent out just a couple of years ago. They found that 87% of Americans believe in God, 74% believe in heaven, and only 59% believe in hell. Now, there's a huge disparity from belief in God to hell, but there's even a big disparity from belief in God in heaven. And what it tells me is that we all believe different things. Even if we believe in God or a God, we have so many different views and interpretations of what it looks like for the afterlife and even translations of the Bible. Some of them are pretty accurate. Some of them are pretty wild and way off in left field, but there's a lot of different views. And so today what I want to do is I want to get into what Jesus said about heaven and hell. And we find that in Matthew chapter 25. Here's what Jesus says. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Now, this is Jesus talking about himself. He's prophesying about himself. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. The king will say to those on his right... He will say to those, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For, what, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me and I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him. They will say, Lord, when did we see you like this? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for those who need help, you did for me. And then he's going to say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you like this? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for those who needed help, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Now, when I look at you, because I faced left, I'm not judging you and this crowd over here. 
But what Jesus is doing is that this is judgment day. He's putting those on his right. These are the Christians. And he's putting the non-Christians, he's putting them over on his left. This is what Jesus does on judgment day. But I want to get into the different views a little bit about what happens in the afterlife after we die, because there are so many popular views out there. Here are the top four that I could find. And that honestly, I hear from time to time in our church and in our community. So these are right here. You know, I want to believe what the Bible believes, but we have beliefs all over the place that aren't necessarily biblical. So the first one is annihilationism. Annihilationism is we all just die. When you die, the lights just kind of go out. And the reason why people love this view is because so many of us have a fear of death, but in annihilationism, you'll never know you're dead because you don't exist anymore. Beautiful. Reincarnation. This is when you die, you pay off your karma, either good karma or bad karma. Now, if you have good karma, which is good works, or bad karma, bad works, good karma would be, you know, you, you've done a lot of good things, so you're going to come back as maybe a, a starfish or a star, or in India, cows are very sacred, so you'll come back as a cow. Now, if you have bad karma, you'll come back as a mosquito or a Green Bay Packer. You know, there's <laughs> lots of different options, but this is a cycle that goes through this is a cycle until you've reached nirvana, and then you are free to then cease to exist. Then there's purgatory. Purgatory is once you die, you exist in this empty void, and you're essentially waiting for God to call your number. You're not in heaven. You're not in hell. And I like to say this kind of like waiting in an endless line at the DMV. But this is, you are in this void for, it could be thousands and thousands of years. And you're waiting for God to kind of deal with you. Now, I want to be clear where this view comes from. This view comes from the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages. This view, purgatory, when you hear this in the church world, this isn't from the Bible, but it is from the Middle Ages and a sort of a theology that developed out of some church history that was happening back then. We won't get into it, but that's where it comes from. The last one is the universalist. This is ultimately somehow, some way, everybody is saved. We all get to heaven, there is no hell. And this comes from the fact, that this, I think the big lingering question of life is, how can a loving God send people to hell? And we're going to get into that in a little bit. But this is everybody is saved. But now here's the biblical view. Here's what Jesus teaches. He says, all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He's going to put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Now, like I said, this is judgment day. And what he's doing is saying, everybody on my right, you are the righteous ones because, not because you did good things, but because you believed in me and you followed me, you followed Jesus. Everybody on his left, these are the people who rejected Jesus. And then he says, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. What Jesus is saying here is that heaven is a real place. And it was created since the creation of the world. It's an eternal place. Place. So I want you to hear this. Heaven is real. It's a real place. It's not our imagination where once we die, we exist as some, just some sort of mind in some other place. It is a real physical place where we will go after we die. Now, you'll hear these terms, you'll hear this term heaven in the church world, but in the Bible, the more common term used for heaven is the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem. If you see those three terms, they're talking about heaven. If you ask me, I think heaven is going to look less like puffy clouds and, and pearly gates and just weird-looking mansions. 
it's going to look more like this earth than we realize. Because the language that the Bible uses to talk about heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, my view on this, what I believe that the Bible teaches is that we are in a way trying to get back to and restored to what the Garden of Eden was meant to be in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, Adam and Eve were created in this paradise. Sin entered into the world because of them, but before sin entered the world, they lived in this perfect communion with God. They were even naked and they didn't know it, right? There's some, there's some good stuff going on apparently, but it's this paradise. It's this paradise that sin ruins. Now, I believe that the Bible teaches that this new heaven, this new earth, this new Jerusalem is a different version of Garden of Eden. It's this perfect paradise that we are getting back to. Sin is what distorts that. Now, the big lingering question is, what's it going to be like? And for me, I was always taught growing up that it's just going to be one big, long, endless church service. And all the children said, ugh, right? (laughs) No, but I think, you know, when we look out here at our glass windows here at church, out in the lobby, not in here. Some people move. (laughs) There's no windows. Um, You see Skogman Lake. Many of us have been to Colorado, and we've seen high mountains, and we look at these things, and we're in awe of God's glorious creation. I think heaven is going to look more like this earth than we realize. And there's so many good things about what we're going to experience. At the same time, there's a flip side. Here's what Jesus says to those on his left about hell. It says, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So while Jesus speaks of a real heaven, he also speaks of a real hell. And I want you to hear that again. Even Jesus speaks of a real hell. In fact, in the New Testament, Jesus speaks more about hell than he does about heaven. And I want you to hear that because I think in our minds sometimes we think God the Father, he's Old Testament, he's all about judgment, he's all about morals and laws. But then you have the New Testament where Jesus, he's all about grace and about love. And I want you to hear that Jesus and God are not on two different pages. They're not on two different ends of the spectrum. They are two persons within the same Holy Trinity. There's not Jesus who's like, forget about my father. He's a little mad right now. And there's not God over here saying like, oh, forget about Jesus. He's a little bit of a hippie right now. No, they're on the same page. They're part of the same Trinity. Even Jesus talks about hell. Because I think sometimes we get this attitude of like, ah, he's, God's just confusing, and there's a lot of judgment over here. Let's just focus on Jesus. But we have to be so careful that we're not creating in our own minds the version of Jesus that we wish existed. Jesus is serious about hell, and here is why. Here is the big point. He says, I was hungry, and you did not feed me. I was naked and you did not clothe me. I was in prison and you did not come to visit me. Now, I want to be very clear. We're not saved by our good works. We're not saved because we clothed and fed the homeless. We're not saved because we visited those who are in prison. We will do those things because we are saved. Jesus is saying, this is a fruit of your salvation or this is a fruit of not, of, of not your non-salvation. I don't have a term for that. <laughs> this is a fruit of you not being a Christian. You won't do these things. And here's why this is so important. Jesus is serious and God is serious about justice. 
Oftentimes we think justice is on this spectrum and love is on this spectrum, but these two things, these two concepts, these two realities, they work hand in hand. And here's what I mean. Here's a practical view of this. Many years ago, when the Holocaust happened, it was one of the most evil things to ever happen on the face of this earth. And I want you to put, your, put yourself in the shoes of a Jewish man or a Jewish woman who was tortured and starved, not only because of Hitler, but because of all the Nazi generals in the army. Now imagine you're a Messianic Jew. You believe in Jesus. You put your faith in him. And you get to heaven, and standing right beside you is Hitler himself. At that point, you'd be like, you would not be a universalist. <laughs> you'd be like, why in the world would God allow Hitler to be in heaven next to me? Many of you, you've been abused, assaulted, traumatized. And when you get to heaven and you see your abuser or somebody that's hurt you worshiping next to you, you would start to understand why hell exists and why justice is so important. Justice and love go hand in hand. God loves you. That's why there is a heaven and there is a hell. Now, I want to be very clear here too. God is a God of grace. Old Testament and Jesus, New Testament, both are God. They're a God of grace. I believe, and I'll be very frank about this, that if Hitler became like the thief on the cross in the book of Luke, and he became a Christian just before he died, he would be in heaven. That he would be forgiven of all the monstrosities that he ever did. Just like you and me are forgiven of all the monstrosities that we do, even though we don't do things that are obviously way over there. But we've lied, we've cheated, we've stolen, we've been angry, we've lusted, we've done horrible things ourselves. But what gets us to heaven is the grace of Jesus, not your own good works, not your tolerance, not your morality. And we should be a good moral people if we love Jesus, but our faith is in Jesus, not in ourselves. It is all about grace. So I want you to hear this. Hell is a real place. Hell is an eternal place, but hell is an avoidable place because heaven is a real place and heaven is an eternal place and we get there by placing our faith and our trust in Jesus. So if you have any questions, Pastor John's going to come on up. If you have any questions regarding heaven and hell, we're going to end the, the, for the next 10 minutes or so with a Q&A. Um, if you have a question that's not on heaven and hell, you can still ask it, but I won't answer it. <laughs> uh, not to be too blunt, but we only have so much time. But So let's see what we have. Well, it I has did, been very interesting, I'll say that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just wonder, Justin, we've had uh, two services already. You've, you've gotten a lot of questions. Is there, is there one from the first two services you'd like to come back to and just take a crack at? This must be a Holy Spirit moment, because on the <laughs> way up here, I was like, I didn't answer that question very well, and I would love if somebody answered it asked it again. Um, in our last service, we had a few questions down in Isani asking about abortion, suicide, and homosexuality. And I'll say this. I think the Bible is very clear on what is sin and what isn't sin. All three would be considered sin, and the punishment of our sin is death. It's hell. Now, the question is, is somebody who, commit, is somebody who commits suicide, are they able to get to heaven? I will say this. Yes, if they were a Christian before. Many of us, we, 
we are saved, but we sin every single day. And imagine if you were in your car and you were angry because somebody cut you off and you're dropping F-bombs and all of a sudden the next person comes by and T-bones you and you're done. You are ending your life in sin just like somebody in suicide, but the grace of God had you before. So I don't want to encourage you that go, obviously, like, go ahead. I don't, I'd be very sensitive about this because God is the author and creator of life, like what you said in the last service. But God is a God of grace, and we cannot lose our salvation once we have it. And I think when it comes to homosexuality or abortion, when we become Christians, if we acknowledge that these things are not right and are sinful in our lives, we might struggle, um, specifically with homosexuality, we might struggle as we live. But if we're acknowledging, like, I want to live on God's design, even though I still have these temptations, still have these struggles, you can be saved. If we're just going to say, I love Jesus, but I also have all these sins in my life that I'm never going to confess, I'm never going to repent, and I'm going to keep on doing, I would question your salvation. Yeah, that's good. I think that's come up a lot about what happens if we sin at the last moment and, and that fear over that. Yeah, the grace of God has you. Yeah. I'll say that as a blanket statement. How do you respond to those that think just being a good person will get them to heaven? I would say you have done way too many bad things for your good for your bad works to outweigh, or for your good works to outweigh your bad works. Um, I think of my own personal life, and if you could have a microscope on me. <laughs> It'd be hard for you to respect me anymore, I feel like. <laughs> like I just want to be very open and honest. I am a, a sinful man. I am imperfect just like you guys are. And so I can't work my way to heaven because I've, so, I've done too many bad things. I've lied. I've cheated. I've, still, I've done all these terrible things. Even if I help little old ladies across the street for the rest of my life, I still have all these sins that I need to put my faith in Jesus, not myself. Um, every single one of us, our bad works will always outweigh our good works because we're human and we're broken. But thank goodness for the grace and the love of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. What do you say to those who believe hell is on earth? I'd say it's the same thing as heaven being on earth. Jesus taught us how to pray the Lord's Prayer. And what he prayed is, Father, your kingdom come. And what he's doing is he's saying that, God, we want heaven to be like it's on earth. We want to treat people with love and kindness and glorify you. I think we can do the same exact thing with hell. Now, earth is one place and hell is one place. We can bring hell to earth when we're unkind, when we hate people, when we, when we do terrible things towards people all the time. We bring hell to earth. But I will say they are still two separate places. Um, the Holocaust was like hell on earth. Hell is also going to be a separate place outside of the Holocaust. I'm going to ask my question to you. I was kind of joking <laughs> with you, but then it came yeah. up in the lobby after first service. Oh. So do you, uh, do you believe in soul sleep or going right to heaven if we have faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord? Yeah, so, so soul sleep, I think this was in First or Second Thessalonians, correct? So it's this, it was this idea, there's a couple of verses that say those who are asleep in the Lord will then rise. And what the term that they use now is so soul sleep. I think it's one of those matters that you can get a little bit too caught up in the details and trying to interpret an ancient text, like the Bible is thousands of years old. Um, there's some, I will say there is something there. At the same time, I think I've already mentioned the service. I've mentioned every service, so it's, my memory's a little fuzzy. The thief on the cross in the book of Luke he was a thief getting executed next to Jesus on his own cross. And he puts his faith in Jesus at the very last moment. And Jesus says these words, Today, 
you will be with me in paradise. The key word there is today. As soon as his eyes shut and he takes his last breath, he's in paradise with Jesus. So that doesn't indicate soul sleep. There could be a soul sleep that's on a different level. I don't fully understand it. I don't know that any of us fully understand it, but I believe that when you die, you are in paradise with Jesus. Amen. My son claims he can't believe in anything that can't be proved scientifically. How can I respond? (laughs) I think proving the existence of God, proving the non-existence of God is just as hard as proving the existence of God. And just because you can't like, touch, like, this table's real because I can touch it, see it, feel it. And sometimes we'd say, well, I can't feel God, I can't see God, so he must not exist. But how many of you have seen gravity before? None of us. Like, I put my faith right now in this stool to hold me up, and if gravity, gravity is real because I'm not doing this and floating away, right? <laughs> we see the effects of gravity every single day, just like I think we see the effects of God existing every single day. So even though sometimes I don't think we... We get confused because we can't see him. He's not you, right? I can, Jesus was a blessing because the people could see him, and he did real things. At the same time, I think God still works in the same way, but in spiritual ways. And just because we can't see him doesn't mean he doesn't exist. And I would, I would caution very much against something only being real just because you can touch it, see it, feel it. Because every single one of you, you have a conscience that you can't see, and you have a soul that you can't see. These are very real things. And you know, like, there's no spot in your brain, like, this is the conscience part. That's, that's not real. So you can't touch that, can't see that, but you know it's real. If heaven is for real, the boy dies and comes back to life and says he goes and sees heaven, but God tells him it's not time. So he comes back and explains what he saw. Basically, what I'm asking you to is go straight up the line and wait for the judgment day or to find out if it's your time or not. Heaven is for Real is a book that was published like 20 years ago, I think. It's a little boy that passed away and went to heaven and came, God sent him back. Um, there's been some, this is a whole rabbit hole of a discussion. I'll say this. There's been some science done um, on the human brain activity as people are passing away. And as you pass away, there's, you can very easily hallucinate and see things that aren't necessarily real. Um, so I will say my personal view about the book is that I don't, know, I don't necessarily know that the little boy was in heaven and God sent him back, because why would God do that? I don't know. So hopefully that, I don't know if that answered the question. We can go back to it if we need to. Um, but I don't think God would send somebody out of heaven. He has sent Jesus out of heaven. He's the example. He's the real person that we've had as the proof, I guess, of, of heaven. I thought this was interesting. Um, Do we believe that people in heaven can see us on earth? Um, Biblically speaking, I don't think that there's evidence for it. I think this is when we get back to um, sentimental versus reality. Um, And I don't want to crush anybody's hearts, I guess. This feels like a very sad moment all of a sudden. I don't know that biblically speaking that we can see what's happening on earth. I think God can see what's happening on earth. He's the one who's eternal we're in heaven. We're very limited by our, by our bodies and space and time. And I think that that's true for our existence in heaven as well. Um, so I would, I would caution against it. Although, I don't know, that just sounds very sad. <laughs> no, that's very good. sad thing to step on, I guess. Sometimes you'll yeah. hear in funerals, yeah, oh, yeah. they're looking down on us now. And 
I was actually very encouraged. I did a gravesite funeral about uh, three months ago, and um, this this man had passed away, and his mom said that you know she saw a butterfly or something like that, and she said, "Oh, there he is." And her daughter, who's a believer, very very strong believer, was like, "Mom, that's not real. That's just a butterfly." And she wasn't trying to crush her mom's heart in that moment, but it was like, "He's in heaven. He's not here." And we go back to reincarnation, right? What we talked about earlier. It's, that's a whole different view. And I think that there are signs on earth that can encourage us. You see a butterfly, it might make you think of your son or your daughter. But at the same time, they're in heaven. <laughs> Rejoice in that instead. Yeah. I don't know if you, if you want any more. Uh... They could just email you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll end it with this because, yeah, we, we are out of time. I'll end it with this. I think one of the greatest fears that we have in life is, am I saved? I've been coming to church. I do love Jesus, but oh my gosh, once I die, that's it. And I don't have another chance. I hope to God that I'm saved. And I want to point you to Galatians chapter five, where Paul talks about the fruits of the spirit. And he's basically saying, if you love Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a Christian, here's what you're going to see in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. You're not perfect, and I'm not perfect, but I will tell you, I have seen significant work of God in my life since the moment that I became a Christian. Like I I said earlier, like if you could take a microscope into my life, like, yeah, I, I do bad things too. I still sin, and yet I am significantly less angry and significantly more self controlled than I was when I was 15 before I became a Christian. Not that I'm perfect, but I want you to see the same evidence in your life. You're never going to be perfect until you get to heaven. But where have you seen God's goodness in your life? Has God healed or bettered your anger? Has he healed or bettered your self-control? If you can see fruits of God's spirit working in you, be very, very confident. You have nothing to fear. Jesus has saved you, and he's doing a work in you. Be very confident in who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Amen. Yeah. Well, with that, I can pray and the worship team will will come on out and we'll end in worship. But God, we thank you so much for your your goodness and your grace over our lives. Or as we talk about these topics of heaven and hell, heaven is is an easy topic to talk about, but hell is tough. Lord, we don't want to go there. We don't want our loved ones to go there. But I pray that that stirs in our hearts the reality that we need to evangelize. We need to tell people about Jesus. We need to invite people to church. We need to help people follow Jesus. I pray, Lord, that it stirs in our spirits today uh, some motivation. We want every single person around us to avoid hell and get to heaven. And God, in that, I, we want to praise you because you have rewarded us with, with, because of our faith that we get to spend eternity in your presence. If anybody is struggling with confidence in that, God, I just want to pray your Holy Spirit blessing and power over them. Remind them, Lord, that you are good and you do have a plan. Lord, it is not we just close our eyes and that is it, but Lord, we are going to be with you in paradise because of your grace, not by our works, not by our love, not by our tolerance, but because, Lord, you were the loving one. You were the one who sacrificed yourself. So God, we put our faith and our trust fully and solely in you today. God, we love you. We praise you. Amen.